0: Hello. Do you ever feel that it's hard to apply what the Bible says to your daily life? Me too. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. We take challenging questions on how to live as a Christian and we try to give a simple, straightforward answer that is easy to implement so that we could be more like Jesus. I'm Jesse Gasparo. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Gasparo. With me today I have a few special guests. We have Kevin Glazer. Hello. Gareth Williams. Hello. Jesse Baptiste. Hi, guys. So Kevin has been here before, but Gareth and Jesse, do you want to introduce yourselves? Um, Sure. Um, I'm not sure how much to say. Um, My name is Gareth Williams. I'm from the
1: assembly localized at St. Albans in New York. Uh, I reside in Brooklyn, New York, and these brethren for
0: a long time. And it's my pleasure to be here to have this conversation. I'm happy to have you. Gareth, you were also my first junior counselor at camp. I don't know
2: yeah,
1: if you remember no, that. I absolutely
2: remember that.
0: <laughs> Jesse Baptiste. Hey,
2: guys. Yeah, so my name is Jesse Baptiste. I'm a new New Jerseyan, and I go to the uh, Mawa Assembly, usually in the back of the background, back background, but I feel like this conversation is something I couldn't keep silent, so I wanted to, to be on. So thank you for having me.
0: Yes. I'm honored to have, have everyone here. Jesse is the one who does all the editing. I always thank him at the end. I don't know if he edits that out, but. <laughs> so, the topic today is racism. And Lord willing, we've been praying that this will be a healing conversation. For those who don't benefit from the video footage, Kevin and I are white, and Jesse and Gareth are black. But I think. If, if we want to start off, I think we need to start with what the standard is. So someone, feel free. What's, the, what's our standard when we deal with this conversation?
3: Standard is God is love. The, um, all throughout scripture, you have it in Leviticus, love thy neighbor as thyself. We have it in Matthew and all the gospels. We have it out of the words of the Lord's mouth. We have it out of Paul's mouth out of james mouth about loving one another and it's clear when you look at scriptures the lord even says love thy enemies so there's nobody left there's absolutely no human being that you should not love
1: and while it's not only true for the believer again that should be paramount for the believer it's the sort of the underpinning of of the entire gospel is that idea of of loving love for others and even as as kevin brought out the idea of loving your enemy that's what the lord jesus christ did did for us so again it's all encompassing there's shouldn't be anyone that we are able to uh carve out of that and make special distinctions for it's something that is all all inclusive and it's incumbent on us as christians to to try our best to to exemplify that in the world yeah
2: i say he meant everything has been said i mean God is love. And, and so it's I, I remember it says in the scripture, I believe in in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, it says that whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And I, I think you know, even in 1 Corinthians 13, the end, it talks about faith, hope, and love. And it says the greatest of these is love. And so I, I think we're lacking a lot of love. To in this world today and I think it's good for us to be here to to reaffirm first our love for one another. I love you guys, all of you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. And and I think if we are the right standard, right? I think the Christian is supposed to be the standard of how the world you know the world looks at us. And I believe if we show love to one towards another, that the world can see that and I, I believe it'll be a trickle down effect.
0: Absolutely yeah.
3: Does, yeah, the think, Lord, go ahead. Go ahead. The Lord says to his disciples that if they know that the Lord, the world will know that you are disciples when you love one another, right? Sure. So mm-hmm. it's important to not just say God is love and we should love, but love is not just like, okay, I love you. It's always expressed. That's why also in 1 John, hereby we perceive the love of God that he laid down his life for us. So, would I lay down my life for my brother, my friend, for my enemy?
1: I think that's a very important point. Just the the idea of love being something that is demonstrated and, and the scripture talks about God demonstrated his love toward us. It's not just in, in word, because I think for us, it becomes very easy because as we're saying these things, these are sort of very basic Christian 101 foundational principles. Nothing that we've said so far is going to come as a surprise or a shock to any believer, right? So it's very basic things, but I think because it's so basic, sometimes we We just sort of assume it's a given and, you know, it's something that we say, but where the challenge comes in is really demonstrated in a a practical way. And, you know, we're on the practical Christian. That's what we want to do is make sure we we make things practical. And so it's important to realize that love, you know, it's not just something you say, yes, we're all Christians and we love one another, but it needs to be actively demonstrated. And and that's where many of us find the difficulties and the the challenges, how we actually express it in a real and practical way among our brethren, as well as to those who are outside. So that's really important.
0: Yeah, I, I think also it's not just that I love, but also I have the understanding that every human being is worthy of dignity and respect. Um, I can love someone or someone, and maybe I can still think, yeah, I love them, but I'm better than them in some that's way, or just intrinsically because of who I am, I, I am some higher level than they are. But that's not the case as we have in Genesis 1 that every human is made in the image of God mm. and so every human intrinsically is worthy of dignity and respect yeah. and and so I, there's that love with that understanding that when I look at another human being they are made in God's image absolutely and and there's a lot of there's a lot of evolutionary philosophers who would say that someone with a disability or someone who's a different race is less valuable in some way, but that's not the case because they are made in God's image, regardless of anything. The fact that they are a human being makes them worthy of dignity and respect.
2: And I think that
0: the aspect also,
2: you know, as we said before, loving yourself or loving your neighbor as you love yourself. I think also that's, that brings in that it's not, you're not superior to anyone or, or, or you're not a respecter of person because if you love yourself, if you love somebody as you love yourself, it should be something that is is, is really more deeper, right? And I like the other scripture. Another scripture is a new command that gives you love one as I have loved you, so love one another. And so I think these, these scriptures kind of bring out that it's deeper, that love them as I loved you. And we know what the Lord Jesus Christ did. You know what I'm saying? He went to the cross. And so it's as giving it it's giving yourself, giving your life, uh, giving your all for that person. And this is something I think we should display. But what are some practical things? You know, I know we said practical what are some practical things that we can that we can show love? Like, you know, you know, that's what, what are some things that we can do to show love?
0: It sounds like you're asking it with an answer in mind, Jesse. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm really asking, like, what, what are some things, um,
2: some practical things that we can
3: do. Well, I mean, so it's, I mean, practically, I mean, obviously you look at, it's been said already, the Lord Jesus gave his life for every one of us, mm-hmm. right? And he did that when we did not deserve it. Mm-hmm. He did that irregardless of what we look like, who we are, how strong we are, how fat. There's absolutely, it says, God is no respecter of persons. That's another verse that's all over scripture, Mm. Old Testament, New Testament. So equally created, and then equally all sinners, Mm. all lost in our sins, and then equally um, saved by the blood of Christ. So there's, there's no difference. So now, why did the Lord do that? It's because there was a need. That's why when he came to this world, you see healing, helping constantly, but also drawing hearts to himself because he was the reason, right? He came to demonstrate God's love on the cross and then to rise again and prove that he was God and that he was loved by God. So doing all those things, he came to meet a need. And he was aware of the need, of course, because he was God. But it wasn't just, oh, I'm in heaven. They're all sinners. I better go save them. He became a man so he could experience that need along with us and understand that need and sympathize with that need. And now he is a man in heaven still sympathizing with our need. So the point I'm trying to make is you demonstrate love by finding out what are your brothers and sisters needs and then helping them meet those needs, the real needs. So if your brother is suffering, what what does scripture say? I suffer with him. How do I do that practically? I First of all, you contact your brother, you communicate with your brother and sister, you talk to them, you tell them you love them, you listen to them, right? Sometimes we're trying to help people, we explain things away. We do that all the time with like depressed brothers. You got to just, you got to keep your head up. Just listen sometimes to people. Let them say what they have to say. A lot of times that's a a very helpful and healing process.
0: Absolutely. And I I think... So we know God loves every single human being. He gave his son for every single human being. And it's true that God loves everybody. Um, but for the purpose of this conversation, and given what's going on in our time and culture, uh, we want to emphasize that God loves black people. Absolutely. And that's, I think we can move, move now the question at hand is racism is a sin. And, and, and I think we could talk about a little bit what is racism and then I think we've sort of explained why it's wrong just based on what we've said but um, we can touch on that a little bit as well.
3: It goes against everything we said. <laughs> yeah, makes, but
0: can can you define sense. it
3: for us? Well it, oh racism? Yeah. Well it means well I mean a textbook definition I'm not quite sure I can give that but I mean, my understanding of it is you're looking at someone and you're making a judgment about the value of that person based on the, how they look generally right but obviously it extends to a lot of other things as well it could be cultural and so on but it's completely opposite what we all said because we said we're all created as one god is not a respecter of persons and if he died for me and that person i'm thinking less of like who am i i'm basically telling god you know you're wrong that i'm better than him you know, my, I was more worth your death than that, but it makes no sense. It's completely contrary to the, um, to the mind of God to evaluate people differently based on the way they look.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, we, we talked about sort of the different things that sort of make up racism. We talked about prejudice and that's that's a component of it. Right. The idea of, of prejudging people based on some characteristic, again, in this case would be, you know, color of their skin but you know it is something that everyone does to some degree in terms of grouping and categorizing and things like that but as we we also understand that when you when you begin to act on those prejudices then you are you know that goes into the realm of dis- discrimination right so you're treating someone differently based on those uh attitudes beliefs you know judgments that you're making about you know their character their value and and you know that's sort of the broader sense that we we're, we're looking at it. it's really a it's a it's a value judgment um against a particular group of people based on some characteristic and of course racism you know for me personally it gets into things that are a lot deeper you know i, I view things more in the institutional and and systemic way which is the way these you know discriminatory practices get reinforced and sort of ingrained into you know the, the thinking and the functioning of society and 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 you know i think that's even more dangerous because it becomes very insidious. It's something that you can be guilty of participating in without actively saying or doing certain things. And so that's where it gets really seedy, right? Because it just it sort of in, gets ingrained into the, the system and the, the, the function of society. And so that's when it's really super problematic. But I think even for the purposes of, you know, understanding what we're, we're talking about here in relation to God's standard, and you know this, as as Kevin said, it's something that uh, flies in the face of of who God is, what He's done for us. It, it it defies the 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 you know the principles of the gospel, you know, which again is is the Lord Jesus saving, coming to save all of us who are sinners. And, and 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 I keep referring back to Kevin, but earlier he made this point. You know, while we're talking about how we're all, you know, God loves us all, the other side of it is that we're all sinners, right? And we were all guilty of the same. Um, offense in the face of God, and and so when we start making those judgments, as as Kevin said, as if we are better than or somehow different than, you know, the Scripture tells us such were some of you. It describes some of the vilest acts and says such were some of you. And so we we're, we're all guilty of all the things that we tend to like to separate ourselves from and then use to judge others and, and look down um, upon them. And so that's why it's contrary to the the mind of God. It's contrary to the character of who God is. It's contrary to you know, his purpose in, in in sending the Lord Jesus Christ to come and, you know, uh, die for the sins of all. You know, it, it's just a, it's it's something that flies in the face of God, really. And that's why it's it's so important that we recognize it and, and, you know, address it. And if it's found within us, of course, repent of it, you know, in the truest sense of not just acknowledging it and confessing it, but acting and behaving differently.
3: I just want to add that sometimes we think of it as like, some historical concept right that's not any that's not relevant anymore it is a real and relevant sin
2: uh i i can say amen to everything has been said again is that it's opposite from what god is and so god is love racism is hatred right he's mm-hmm. hate and that's what it is it's it's a prejudice but it's it's a ingrained hatred whether it be subconsciously that we don't really, you know, we don't know that it's happening or, but it it's happens. And, in, and, in, and something that we deal with every day. And so I think it's something that we have to really look within ourselves and say, Hey, you know, that this is sin, right? It's just like any other sin that we would deal with that has to be judged. We have to look at it and say, this has to be judged. And throughout scripture, we see how God has dealt with prejudice. And he always, so the first one would be, you know, I would look at is a Samaritan, right? A Samaritan woman and how he, he dealt with prejudice there and how he reached out to her and he, he broke down that prejudice. And then also the Canaanite woman, you know, a, again, the disciples were those who say, Hey, you know, trying to turn our way and he dealt how he dealt with that prejudice. But all throughout scripture, I believe that, that God, is trying to tell us that he doesn't like prejudice. <laughs> you know, the first thing, even in Numbers, Numbers chapter 12 with, uh, with, with, with Miriam and, and, and Moses's wife, again, prejudice was there. Uh, she was upset because he had married an Ethiopian woman and God had to judge her, you know? So throughout scripture, we see that God hates, he hates discrimination. He hates whether we call what we call racism today. He hates it and he hates prejudice. And so it's something that we have to be mindful for. It's against God's design, as we said. It's against God's design. It's against his character. His love. It's
1: the opposite. It's hatred. And it's also it's, you know, especially when it comes to racism on the basis of, you know, hating someone on the basis of their skin color. That's literally how God made someone, right? And it's almost as if you're telling God he did something wrong or he made a mistake or he did something that wasn't good enough. You know, God created and, and was able to look on it and say it was very good on his creation, you know. And so, you know, sometimes if somebody leads, and I don't want to get too carried away, but leads a certain lifestyle or makes certain choices or, or behaves in a certain way, you can have an issue with with perhaps the sin in their life. But to, to hate someone on the basis of literally how God created them is very, you know, presumptuous and, and, and very, you know. Uh, again offensive to God it's literally how God has made someone as we said he's made us all in his own image and his own likeness God designed us in in this way and that's part of how God made certain people and and for you to hate them based on on how God made them is you know it's, it's the most presumptuous and, and just ridiculous position that someone can take and, and 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 think that they're still somehow you know consistent with the mind of God it's
0: completely opposite. Yeah. And and I think it's important too that it's not just how I behave towards people that's racist, but my thoughts that I maybe I don't share. Absolutely. Um, this is a heart problem. Um and unless I unless the Lord helps me to see people the way he viewed them, when he looked on them and he loved them. He looked on them with compassion. Unless I can see people the way God sees them and feel the way God feels for them. This is something like we've been talking about this since since human beings have been alive It's been my tribe against your tribe, conquering villages, enslaving people It's been a problem in our hearts from the very beginning, and unless Christ comes in, that's the solution and and if if you can go your whole life and never commit a racist act, but if you feel superior. It's it's sin, and that needs to be judged in your heart. The Lord talked about that, too, with looking after a woman. You've committed adultery in your heart. It's the same principle that if, if I'm feeling these things or thinking these thoughts and indulging in them and allowing them to work in me to create that superiority in my own mind, I'm sinning against God and against
3: that person, even though I might not ever tell them. Absolutely. Any man being in Christ, he is a new creation. That creation is, we're, we're born of God, not of flesh or blood, right? So that's that's why as a Christian, it's even more important. I mean, a lot of the things we talked about, we talked about how we're created, we talked about the Lord's perspective or God's perspective of us. But as believers, we are united in a way that non-believers aren't even united. Because hmm. we're all a new creation and we're we're one body. And so this also well opens up, for, for, for those who might be listening. That do not know the Lord Jesus. I and mean, if you have hate in your heart. If you are dealing with these struggles. Or even any other struggle. You are made new. By accepting the work of Christ on his cross. For you and for I. You are brought into something new. He, he, there's a new creation. And you are that new creation. And you can be healed of all of these things. I wanted to just mention something practical. Regarding. Like you mentioned thoughts. right? A lot of times. You know, they, we like compartmentalize sins in our mind. There's some sins that, that we would never even joke about. We wouldn't talk about them because they're, they're terrible. So we might, I've never heard anybody make an abortion joke. All right? You wouldn't do it. You just wouldn't do it. But I've definitely heard racist jokes. So brothers, let's just say it. We cannot be saying these jokes. We cannot be laughing at these jokes. All right? It says the tongue, is. A, it's a world of iniquity. It's a fire. These things are hateful. We can't make jokes out of them. So we can judge them in our heart, but we can also judge them when we hear them, not just amongst believers. What a testimony would it be? You hear a a racist joke. I mean, of course, any sinful joke can be addressed, but we're talking about racism. You hear a racist joke at work. You could say, listen, I don't appreciate that. God loves that person you're joking about. I love that person you're joking about. Just a practical point. Absolutely, and I think
1: it's important as well, you know, even as much as we, we, we sort of define it and talking about it as hatred, you know, some people uh, read that as, you know, it has to be sort of an active, you know, sort of aggressive type of attitude um, towards someone. And that's why most people, when you say that, they say, look, I don't, I don't hate people. And so they feel like, you know, why would you say that about me? I don't, I don't hate, you know, because it makes it sound so aggressive. But again, sometimes it's just those little thoughts. We talk about just feeling superior or, or looking at somebody in a, you know, sort of a disparaging or devaluing way. You know, it it might not be that outward thing where you're ever going to lash out or you're going to say something harsh or you may not feel filled with hate. But those different attitudes as well are are, are sinful. Those thoughts, again, entertaining the jokes and and, and, and all these things, those are also sinful attitudes, sinful, you know, behaviors in in and of themselves. And so, you know, it's good that that people understand that so they don't get on the defensive immediately and say, well, no, I I don't. you know, actively hate. I'm not out there trying to harm or hurt someone deliberately, and so therefore I'm okay. It's still quite possible to to hold racist views, attitudes, thoughts, even though they're not expressed in that way.
0: I think maybe we could talk a little bit and, and we sort of mentioned it, but as a church, as the church, how should we respond to racism? And I, I think the first part, Kevin, you mentioned it that it should not exist among us. We are one body. We've all been brought into this one body, the body of Christ. And so there shouldn't be any any sort of racial tendency among us as believers. And I think that's the first place for us
3: to start, but how, how as a church do we respond to this? I think one of the scriptures that we
2: we had looked at was in in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. It says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I think if we live into the good of that, uh, we would, when one member hurts, right, or one member suffers, we would suffer with them. Uh, I think sometimes we have, you know, and we'll go practical with this, we have implicit bias, right? And so implicit bias is something where you subconsciously, right, are causing prejudice. You don't mean to do it, but we as human beings, sometimes we like to be with other people who look like us, right? Or, or you know, behave like us. And, and in Galatians, it was touched on with um, Peter and Paul, right? when the when the when the jews would come peter peter would go with the with the jews and leave the gentiles right and then what would happen is that when they would leave he would continue with the gentiles and this was you know something he was maybe doing subconsciously because he was comfortable with those believers right and but the action that paul took is the action we should all take when we see it Paul withstood him to his face. Paul had to tell him, take him aside and say, brother, look what you're doing, right? And it see, the way it works is that this type of behavior sometimes trickle down, right? And so him being a leader, it said even Barnabas and some of the other Christians started to do it, right? And so it's our responsibility to, to nip these things in the bud so it doesn't trickle on to other believers because they're watching us too. You may be, uh, a leader where some people are watching you, what you're doing. And so the way we act, you know what I'm saying, also is something that we have to take under, you know, bring
1: under the lordship of Christ and say, are we really acting in the good of the church as a whole? Yeah, I mean, there was something that I wanted to add um, to what you said, but before that, I would just want to actually ask a question um, is, why do we think it still exists in within the church, right? We we know the scripture, right? We're able to quote them. We know what they, they say. You know, we we you know, repeat it often about the oneness and, and, and so on, but we know it still exists, right? And if, if, if we're all honest, and it, for some of us, we can probably point back to things going back, you know, decades and, and, and up to recently still, that we can still say that we, we see the vestiges of it within the assembly. And so my question is simply, why do we think that still is, given that, again, we know what the scripture says, how is it still able to you know have a place or or to I won't say flourish because I don't think it's you know at that level, but how is it still able to creep in and, and to, to exist?
3: What did Paul tell the the Hebrews? Actually, sorry, I shouldn't say Paul, whoever the writer of Hebrew was, Hebrews was, he tells them after he describes all these great saints, right? He gives all the examples in chapter eleven of Hebrews. I mean, these are these are the the, the heroes, right? You might say. He says in chapter twelve, verse one, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And the reality is, yes, we are a new creation, but we we still have this old nature, this old yeah. man. That's why Paul talks about mortifying the deeds of the flesh. Sin is a deed of the flesh. So. I know it sounds like a. it might sound like a cheap answer, Gareth, but the reality is like I don't know if we'll be able to eradicate any like any particular sin. I mean, there's sin everywhere. Right. So. I mean, I guess that's just a general answer I mean, it's because it's sin and we're sinful people, but it's certainly not an excuse. We don't put our hands up. So when 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 we talk about it still being relevant, knowing that and hearing that, like the listeners hearing that. Hopefully, it creates uh, um, some soul searching. Right? Is there anything I'm thinking or I'm doing, or or is there any way I'm a, I'm ignoring a brother in need or so on? Something that I should be doing differently. I mean, that's really one of the main goals of the podcast is just this conversation being out there for people to hear, so they're more aware of um, these certain things.
1: And and I appreciate that answer. And I, I don't think it's you know sort of generic. It's it's the reality of what it is and. I think we would be well served to first acknowledge it, right? Acknowledge that it exists, you know, that we can be prone to it. I think we try to dismiss it or ignore it because we want to say, well, you know, we're all Christians, we're all believers, we all, you know, believe a certain thing and act a certain way. But we have to be honest and acknowledge that, yes, because we are still sinners, you know, we are sinners saved by grace, that we still have, you know, that, that, that flesh that rears its ugly head that it's possible for us to have fleshly attitudes, fleshly responses, and all these things. And we need to be able to confess it and acknowledge it. And and, and going back to what Jesse was saying as well, in the example of, of you know, withstanding to the face, like when, when you hear and you see it, address it. And I think that's something that we have to work on as a, as a church is really addressing things. I, I think in large part, we tend to ignore it, right? Again, we can all point to different things that we see Where there might be a little bit of uh, separation different you know behaviors and things like that but how often do we actually say anything about it how often do we actually you know address it or talk about it i mean that's one of the reasons why we felt it necessary to have this conversation because we acknowledge that it's not um often addressed and you know i think many other things if we saw them taking place in the in the church other sins we would be very quick to to address it whether or not it, it it comes to a matter of discipline or or, 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 you know, ministry to, 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 you know, to address it. That's what would what happen. But with issues of race, for some reason, we're very hesitant to, to talk about it and to, to call it what it is and to address it. And so I think that's really, that is very much where we have to start first acknowledging that it does occur, acknowledging that we've witnessed it or experienced it, and then addressing it where, where it needs to be challenged and to, to, you know, brethren need to be withstood, as it were, that, that happens where we need to bring the word of God to bear in terms of, of ministry specifically towards that. I think that needs to to happen as well. And, and, you know, we just have to be more active about, and honest again, about, you know, recognizing it and addressing it in a, in a meaningful way that brings the mind of God to bear so that those who are guilty of it in any way can, can, you know, be, Exhorted about it and 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 can have the opportunity to examine themselves and make uh, and repent essentially
3: I, I think it's important and gareth you can definitely interrupt me at any point while I'm saying what I'm gonna say that We don't want to sound like we're we're coming up the four of us are coming together and saying okay We're we're accusing the brothers of, of being racist or anything like that Because of course if there's a sin amongst the brother if we see it's our responsibility I mean, it is our responsibility to individually approach a brother one-on-one. I mean, that is key. It is key. So the point of this is not to, to throw accusations or judgments. The reality is what, what we're saying is if you notice something that's racist, say something to that brother, right? Don't go tell five people what the brother said, right? Cause now that's how we sow division. Right? We, we speak to that person. And as you, you might have to confront to it. It's not just, I mean, there's a lot of things we don't bring up. Because it's easier not to say something. It's easier to just say, Oh, whatever. It doesn't affect me. Or it does affect me, but I don't feel like having a confrontation. But you have to. And that's what scripture says. Without that, there's no um, togetherness. And you have roots of bitterness growing, as you see also in Hebrews. So let us be brave. Let us follow scripture. And address sins when we see it, but we have to do it individually first. That's the appropriate way.
2: I think we have to also come to the realization also is that this brings uh, pain to the Lord's heart, right? Because it's it's hurting, you know, one of the members of the church. But not only that, it's hurting him. I'm saying, you know, it brings joy to God's heart when. Brethren, dwell together in unity. It says that in the scripture, right? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And this is basically something that can cause division. This is something that can cause division amongst believers when you have implicit bias, when you have some of these things. And so it's something that we as Christians, you're right, we're not accusing anybody, but it's it's about examination, -examination, self-examination, self-reflection and saying, okay, do I have these thoughts, right? And hey, you may never have any of these thoughts, right? Or you may never act in a in a racist way. But what are we teaching our children, right? What are we doing when we get to the dinner table, right? Uh, do we do we speak disparagingly about certain brothers of different ethnicities,
0: yeah. or
2: do we do we tell our kids, well, you know, well, you can play with them now, but when it's time, you know. You know, they want to get married to somebody of a different color. Then you're like, well, you tell your kids, well, you know, well, you know, think about that because, you know, these people or something like that. And so it starts not only in the meetings in the church, but it also starts at the home. I believe we as as believers in the home, we have to at the dinner table. Our kids are watching us and the things that we do. And I think that's very, very important. What are we teaching our kids? And and when we, if we teach our kids how Christ sees people, right, how God sees people, I think like some of these problems will go away. But as Gary said, is that the question? Guy asks is about why are these things today? And I believe it's because sometimes we are still tied to the world, right? We're still tied to the world. We start to act and think how the world acts, right? And so we start to view our brethren. You know, when we go to work, we get we we take on these biases. We take on these different prejudices and then we bring them into the meeting and so you know and that's another subconscious thing that happens right and so the way society treats black people right we start to treat them in the same way what is and things like that and we have to understand that these things are against these things are against god god it pains god's heart even god talks about in Matthew. he said if you hurt one of my little ones right i'm saying you know this is hurting people and people are, are in trauma, people are in pain about these things, and we have to take these things very seriously, that these are our brethren. These are, we are one, and should it should affect us in a real way, and not not just like, oh, it's happening to somebody over there. And so I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's still happening today, It's because we're still bringing in the thoughts of the world, you know, we're traipsing in the dirt with us when we come in, right? And so... We have to shake
1: up the dirt off our feet as it were and kind of come in without these prejudices and, and just responding to you know Kevin's last thought I mean and, I, and I'll push back a, a little bit in the sense that you know I, I think it's important to address things more broadly a lot of times we tend to view things as just sort of isolated incidents and individual attitudes between people but even as Jesse was mentioning before, as leadership and things like that, it affects the flock, it affects others, right? And so the chances are, if you've observed a certain behavior, you're not the only one, right? And other people have probably been affected and impacted by it. And if we don't, you know, address it in a, not not to hold up this person as saying this person has done something bad and let's all, you know, chide them and chastise them, but to address the issue, address, you know, the the attitude, talk about what the scripture says around certain attitudes so that Anyone else who has been affected by it or has observed it can be put in mind of what the proper standard is. Um, if we only address it sort of privately and and just on a one-on-one basis, then it, it, it's only about what this one person did, and we have to understand it's it's a it's a larger issue and it has a larger effect. And I think that's why some people respond that way because when you talk about it, it's immediately as Well, like I didn't do this, or I you know you're accusing me of something. When many times it's it's sort of like a broader conversation. It's a broader thing about, as Jesse said, values and things that they've adopted from from you know outside in, in society that they've you know it's sort of become in, ingrained and that's how it infiltrates uh, the church. And you know, as again, and I'll speak for myself. I also believe that we we want to we should be addressing what we see happening in society, right? Because we 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 make these divisions as if we're completely isolated from the world, but we're not, right? We go to work every day, we go to schools, we're, we're affected, you know, we're, we're being affected by the things that are going on in society. And so if we come to the the, the assembly and, and and don't ever speak about that, I mean, we, we, it's almost as if we're acting as if we're not affected by those things, but we we are day in, day, di- day in and day out and and directly or indirectly. We're often, you know, no matter how much we might conduct ourselves a certain way, the way the world might respond to us or treat us, it still affects us. And so I think we should also be, you know, taking a look at things, how they are occurring in society and presenting the, the biblical perspective to help the, the saints look at it through the right lens, look at it from the right perspective and make the the, the adjustments that they need to make. The other thing is, I think we also, and, and it has the two sides. One of the reasons why we can be Sort of ignorant about what what is affecting our brethren is because, in the context of the the church, we, you know, we 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 what we see of each other is you come to meeting, you're reading the word, we're studying together, and everything does feel very harmonious and and, and wonderful. And if that's the the only thing that you're you're looking at, you may not realize that your brethren are dealing with things in their day to day. A lot of people have suddenly you know had their eyes open a little bit because they they actually had conversations that were outside of the context of the Bible study, the prayer meeting, the worship meeting. And then you've learned something that, Hey, I've been affected by this. I've been pulled over by police. I've been treated in a certain way. And suddenly your mind is open and you're like, wow, I had no idea you were going through that. And then that's, what's bringing the empathy and the, the, the concern out of you. And so just in general, I think we, we should be careful not to sort of cocoon ourselves and, and, and forget that we are affected by the things that are going on in the world. And we do need to, to speak to those things. And lastly, you know, that's, to me, I don't know what kind of gospel it would be for us if we said we're only concerned about what's happening in the church, right? We should be concerned about the the souls that are out there and how they're affected and how they're behaving and all these things as well. So it's not just, oh, how does it affect our brethren? But we should have a care and compassion for for the people in the world as well. That's what the gospel is, going outside of of the quote-unquote walls of the church to reach those who are in the world. So we should be caring about, how society is is treating, you know, different groups of people and, and it should matter to us enough for us to, to address it.
3: I just want to clarify what I was trying to say regarding addressing things individually is just with reference to this podcast, True. right? So just like if your brother offended you, you wouldn't stand up on the pulpit and say, somebody's offending me, right? You wouldn't do that because when someone's offended you, there is scripture for how that should happen. That's all I'm saying. So I don't want, People listening to think that this podcast is an accusation,
0: right? right. This
3: is, Brother Jesse Baptiste, I got to say that, right? You said it exactly, which is that we want people to search their hearts. Absolutely. Right, and to judge it. And then also, like we said many times, if you see it, notice, talk to your brothers. And listen, Garrett, there are places for open rebuke. Okay, there, I forget exactly which epistle that is in.
0: Galatians.
3: Right. No, but even um, in correction, sometimes. It says, i um, rebuke them before all, right? I, oh, them them. Yeah. So sometimes, and I'm not saying, I mean, obviously that's something very careful. That's a decision of the whole assembly to do that. You don't just call somebody out in front of everybody. But sometimes <laughs> sins have to be dealt with um, open. Yeah. Because they're committed yeah. openly and so on.
0: So. Yeah. Uh, the verse I, I've been thinking of while you, you been talking um, is in James, that don't have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect to persons. Mm-hmm. And then later in in the the book, he says, um, talking about the tongue, um, with it, we bless our God and Father Mm -hmm. and curse man who is made in the image of God. Um, And so it shouldn't exist among us. Sadly, um, it does, and it needs to be addressed if there's an individual event, obviously. But if there is this, um, if there's a pattern that's being noticed, Mm -hmm. um, it needs to be addressed, whether that's through Ministry, um, whether that's through other other means, but I, I think also the emphasis here um, Which has been mentioned is the need for relationship yeah. Amen. Amen. And and like you said so often we're just so focused we come on Sunday We come on the midweek meeting and you know, we, we spend our time and then we're in the car. We're gone okay. the People as I see you twice a week. Maybe if, if we're lucky I don't interact with you at all through the week shame on me. First for week. not taking an interest in my brethren and not just the ones that look like me or have the same cultural background as me. Shame on me if I don't interact with. And it starts with our local church gathering, the local assembly that we gather to, and then it goes out from there. So it's my responsibility to be involved in each other's lives and to know what you're going through, uh, what I'm going through, and to, to have that comfort level to be willing to share that with these, these people I break bread with, I, I, I'm in fellowship with. I love them. And they love me. I should have that comfort level, and it's it's sad sometimes that that's not mm. true. true. I think yeah. we could, um, if there's if there's other thoughts on this, feel free to, to go back. But I think um, not just as as the church, but how as Christian individuals do we respond to to this? How do we respond to racism, not just in the church, but as we encounter it? I think we've mentioned some things like practically teaching our children, uh, what is what is my son learning from me, how I speak about other people, how I speak to other people. And that's, that's one where to start. But uh, how else, what are other practical ways that we can respond as a Christian person in the world? Well, I mean, I,
2: I, would, I would reiterate what you just said, is that about having a relationship, or, or communicating with with people and this is in relation still to the people amongst us, but it can be to the broader to the broader world right and so I, I think it's important for us to really see that people are living in the real world whether it be Christians or people in the world they live in a real world it's not for us to you know in in first Corinthians chapter five it says that if we you know, we'd have to come out of the world if we didn't deal with people in the world. So we all are living within the world construct. Yes, we're in the church, but we also live in this world, we're passing through. But we live in this world, and so I, I think you know, for some, for for instance, that for us to have some type of empathy towards another, one one towards another. So for instance, if I'm driving home, I've been stopped. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying you know, coming home from from meeting or even getting to meeting, right? And if if we know that. Our, our brethren are having difficulty in these type of way we can get them a call and say hey you know yeah i just check in you g- see if you got home safe right just being mindful in that manner just that would go a long way right um building up a relationship i believe working together right kevin and i work together you know in in the pathfinders right for for people to see a black and a white person right working together in the community or or, or for the lord I think it's something that people need to see because there's a standard for the world to see. Right. I'm saying, you know, they don't see a lot of that in the world. Right. But to see that we as brethren together working together, I think it's important for the world to see for us to become that kind of standard. So the world says, this is something different. Right. I'm saying, you know, these people working together. So th- that's a little bit of practical ways. I believe that you can, or we can do as Christians and, I'll leave the rest for you guys, uh, the, the more
1: harder ones <laughs> for you guys. Thanks. <laughs> um, for me, I always start with, with the word uh, empathy. That's something that the, the the Lord, I think, has placed on my heart the last couple of years is just this emphasis on empathy. And I see it constantly coming up through the scriptures and, and in other aspects of my life as well. And I think it's something that we all need to practice is is being empathetic to others. And, of course, that comes from the same, you know, foundation that we established at the very beginning of God's love. Right. Hmm. That's what it is. It's it's empathy is is being able to uh, identify with someone else in their circumstances, in their in their in their pain and the issues that they're going through and their feelings. Right. So so starting with just from a place of of practicing to be empathetic. Because I think it, it's when we lack empathy that it makes it easy for us to view people in a certain way, to treat them in a certain way, because we can't identify with them uh, in any way. So we have to practice uh, being empathetic. And then we have to actively be justice-oriented. That's another thing that you know I believe the Lord has been bringing out to me in the scriptures over the last couple of years. And we see how much of the scripture talks about this, either directly speaking about justice or talking about righteousness and these things. It's something that we need to be exercised about to actively pursue justice and, and to, to try to right wrongs, essentially. So wherever you see something that is is wrong, a condition that is wrong, that you have a desire to, to do what is within your power and your ability to do, to sort of right that wrong. And so it goes back to some of the things we were saying in the practical way about challenging people that are behaving in a certain way, telling certain jokes, certain you know whatever it might be, but just being justice oriented, recognizing that this is not right, and I'm going to be somebody that's going to to do what I can, what's within my power, to try to set this right. And again, it goes beyond racism, but you know that's that's the focus that we're 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 having t- uh, tonight. But you know the scripture talks so often about the oppressed and the poor and the widower and the fatherless and all these these marginalized groups that are are, are affected. And so. In this country in which we live and in many other places as well, blacks are a marginalized group. They are a group that are are affected by the, the system in which which they they exist, in which they live. And so, you know, we need to be able to exercise empathy and also have a mind towards righting those wrongs, to, to towards executing um judgment and, and and justice where we see those injustices happening. And so it has to be something that we actively pursue. The, the, the scripture tells you to, you know, to pursue justice, to do justice, to love mercy. You know, these are, I, I look at them as direct commands to us. So it's something that we need to be actively engaged in trying to,
0: you know, do justice where we see injustice in the world. And there's an, a level of, it's going to be a personal conviction. There, there might be differences in what we view that to be. Yes. And I don't think we could say, it's going to be this for every person, but that that idea of of, of what you're saying, and so it's a prayerful thing. Absolutely. God, what would you have me to do in regards to this issue? How can I, in my life and what I'm doing, seek to to help? And and the the other the other thought I, I I'm thinking about is in Jeremiah the the chapter with the most famous verse in Jeremiah. I know the thoughts that I have mm-hmm. toward you. Um, That whole chapter is about the people in exile. They're in Babylon. And Jeremiah tells them, you're going to be here a while. Plant gardens, build houses. It says, seek the peace of the city where you're in and pray for it. Mm -hmm. And in that peace, you will have peace. And it's shocking because they're in exile. They're in Babylon, which the whole, you go from the beginning of scripture to the end of scripture. Babylon is this this nation of evil that's opposed to the people of god Mm -hmm. and they're supposed to seek its peace they're supposed to pray for its peace and it's it's something that uh, i think again seeking the peace of babylon i think for the sake of argument america is babylon in which we're living um just for the analogy and to seek the peace how how do we do that it might be different for every person but I, i think it's along those same lines that we're seeking peace and, and justice and righteousness for those who are living here. And it, it might be different for you. It might be different for me, our, our level of, of what that means. But that's a prayerful thing we need to investigate for ourselves and seek the Lord's wisdom on. And, and just to
1: go back to to something I was saying and it sort of left off as well, I think, again, specifically to this issue of, of of race, and we're talking about, you know, especially, you know, our white brethren and so on, that it's, it's important for, for you to understand also the the systemic nature of things, right? Because as I was saying earlier, we tend to look at things as sort of individualized, isolated incidents. And in some cases, that that makes it easier to either address that individual thing and feel like, okay, that's done, or to ignore it because there might be certain uh, circumstances around it where you can maybe justify it or whatever the case might be. But when we sort of understand it in a broader systemic sense, you know, or you should try to strive to understand it in the broader systemic sense that, you know, there there is a system that has led to oppression of blacks in this country, and it affects us all in, in in different ways. It might not be the outright overt act of of brutality or or something like that, but there are many different ways in which that that oppresses us by keeping people in poverty, by subjecting them to a different set of laws, right? I know a lot of folks don't. View it that way, or don't realize it that way. But there's almost a different set of laws for, for for certain groups, or at least the laws are the same, but how they are how they are executed varies greatly. And there are so many other ways that the the injustice and the racism is expressed that it's not just again someone attacking you physically, you know, calling you the N word, and and those things that we tend to look at as very overt, clear things that everybody can jump on board and say, yeah, that's wrong. There are many ways in which it's systemic and it affects us in, in so many different ways. And the more we are awakened to that, then there are, it, it opens up other opportunities for us to seek to address that, right? So again, if you're thinking about how it creates poverty or perpetuates poverty, that might be an area in which you can be exercised to do something about helping the poor or, or doing something to alleviate their condition. And so that's just something I wanted to add that it, it's... You know, it's good to understand it in a in a broader sense so that we don't just individualize it and make it specific incidents that we can quickly, you know, focus on that one thing and then once it's passed, feel as if the issue's been taken care of,
3: you know. We are ambassadors for Christ. We represent him here. Mm -hmm. Right? And so when we want guidance on how to act. You know, in response to certain things, the the true or the only true way that we can answer that question in terms of actions is to understand how our Lord acted. And to do that, it's still personalized because some people read the Gospels and will will get some some of the things that the Lord does will you know prick our hearts differently than someone else. What I'm trying to say is read the Gospels, read, see how the Lord treated people, not just treated them. How did he talk to them? Like the way that we talk to people, right? Did he ignore things? Did he not ignore things? How did he address sin? What did he do? I'm not even going to make any particular comments. Just one of my exhortation is to read the scriptures, right? If you get an idea, read the Gospels and see how did the Lord address something that's similar to that idea. You never go wrong if you try and be a true ambassador, a representative. Of the Lord Jesus he's in heaven right this is a, a always a good point he is in heaven we are here we are his representative when he was here we we learned from him well when you know we didn't we learned we learned the scripture right but now we are here the Holy Spirit is indwelling every single one of us it is our responsibility to be Christians right followers of Christ in this scene ultimately to lead souls to Christ I mean that's why when you talk about, for example, with the poor. Yeah, we have to deal with we have to help the poor. And and the Lord will allow us to use that as an inroad, right, if appropriate, because maybe they're believers already, but an inroad to encourage believers or to say help bring souls to Christ, to win souls for Christ.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I was gonna go on that line is I believe that Garrett is right, there's justice. We have to we is injustice in the world, we have to be one who Go out and we have to seek justice, right? And and that's very important. And also, I would say, together, you know, what I'm saying, they're like very, very, they're like glued together. Is the gospel, right? With the gospel is the is the injustice. Whenever the Lord saw prejudice and injustice, he preached the word to them, right? Whenever he saw the oppressed, he gave them the justice. But he also he also he also preached the gospel to them feeding the five thousand right he he saw they were hungry you know what I'm saying and he fed them both physically and spiritually right the woman at the well prejudice right he he not only he not only you know took care of her in need but he also helped her with the gospel and I think that's important for us is that we can't have one without the other we can't see somebody hungry in the world and say hey I'm just gonna get them a track right you know what I'm saying it has to be something where we have to have a, a a hunger for that person's need for that person's soul, and really look. The Lord said He looked upon them and He had compassion upon them, right? Yeah. And it and, and it could be somebody who who don't even like you, right? It, I I I I continue to think about the rich young ruler. It says the the Lord looked at him and loved him, and the Lord knew He was going to reject him the next minute, right? The Lord knew in His heart that. He didn't have any, the Lord said, sell all you have and come follow me. And he said, he went away sorrowful because he loved his possessions more than the Lord. Right. And so it doesn't matter that person's reaction to us is how we react. And that's how the Lord, the Lord blesses. So that's the thing I, I want us to talk about spreading the gospel and dealing with injustice. But also I would say is that we need to be more public with our prayers. I know we pray sometimes, we pray in the meeting, we pray at home. But I liked in Daniel, right? And you bring up Babylon. In Daniel, he opened up his windows and he prayed, right? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the world needs to see us come together and pray for them, right? They need to see us that, you know what? That we're relying on a God. We're relying on on, on the Lord Jesus Christ to, to really come in and, and cause a healing for this world, right? And it's not on our part. It's not on our own strengths, uh, as it were. But we have to open up our windows, as it were, and, and let the world see us pray. I think there needs to be more public prayer. That's something that we can do, right? And I know, you know, people get nervous <laughs> when when they talk about the different rights you have in an American, right? And I, again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't vote or you don't vote. I mean, it's up to you, and that's between you and your Lord. But these are different things that you can do. You know I'm saying? You know, if if you want to exercise your American right, you can vote, right? I'm saying, you know, and it's not, I believe you know what I'm saying that's your American right I'm not saying that you know from Scripture if you believe or not that's up to you right but that's something that you can exercise the Bible says also to pray for those in power pray for the governments that are, that are there right and I think that's something else that we should that we that we have to do right because sometimes we may be in a in oppressed by some governments right and or or some leaders right and so I think that's something that we have to do. We have to pray for them that God would guide them, would guide their mouths, and then sometimes shut their mouths too if we have to, right? And so I think that's something else that I think we can do and that we we should do if some practical things.
3: And we don't speak evil of them either. That's in uh, Peter, I believe. That, that's that's so hard <laughs> you know, I, me, I would never, I would never speak evil of them. I just said, Lord, shut their mouths. You know, in Jude, it says that Michael did not. Um, bring a railing accusation against the devil You mm-hmm. know the devil he said the Lord rebuke you that's it. No, I'm not saying that was that. <laughs> I Think was there were a couple comments that are going to prevent it's like an open-ended question this idea of justice in the world But yeah. so it's not gonna we're not I know we're not that's not the podcast So I'm not gonna make any major points here, but mm-hmm. we have to understand. This is not a a, a place where everyone agrees Okay, on, on what does that mean to seek justice so maybe we need to do a podcast or Jesse needs to figure out the best people for that mm-hmm. but I'm just going to say Mr. Um, Jesse Baptiste that there mm-hmm. is one oppression that the Lord Jesus never addressed and that was the Roman oppression of the Jews so those people were under oppression by the, the Rome by Rome. he never addressed that, he never told them to challenge that oppression, I'm not making any comment on what anybody should or shouldn't do but I believe that's an important distinction mm-hmm. No, I mean, me. I'll leave it at that. Maybe that's
1: the next podcast, Jesse. <laughs> I was going to piggyback off of, of Jesse's comment as well because that's you know the the part where he spoke about the Lord Jesus having compassion. That's the the thread throughout the Gospels that stands out to me in the relation to how the Lord dealt with people. That that was the the attitude of his heart. Right, he would look out on the people and he would have compassion, regardless of what was their condition, their various defects. You know, they all needed something. They were all, you know, lame, blind, whatever it is. And sometimes we look at that in the literal, but we also look at it in the, you know, in in terms of the application of what it means to be lame or, or, or blind. Some were dead, <laughs> all these things, but the Lord would look out on them and it always says he had compassion on them. And so if we're going to follow uh, the Lord's example, I think that's where it begins with us learning to have compassion on people and not to be controversial. But, you know, I, I know there was a video that was shared or being shared by some among us speaking about the the, the the crisis that sort of precipitated our, 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 or the event that precipitated the present crisis, the death of George Floyd. And it was, to me, in my opinion, it was a, it sort of assassinating his character, talking about his past, his struggles with drugs and all these things. And, you know, the the impression that it was giving was that because of these things, his life was less valuable or that he shouldn't be, no one should be seeking justice in his name because of these things and to me again for us we shouldn't look we should have compassion right so you, you can look at somebody with all their struggles whether it's dealing with drugs or or other things that rather than saying that those things devalue you and make you worth less the idea is that you should have compassion and your thought should be what could I do to 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 alleviate that circumstance to help that problem granted this person is now uh, deceased and so there's not anything to do at this point but just the attitude that when we see those things we shouldn't look at it as again, because of these shortcomings and failures in the person's life that they're, they're somehow devalued, but it should evoke compassion from us. And and so that's something that we need to work on is that compassion. And again, just sort of quickly, you know, touching on what Jesse was saying in terms of, of voting and so on, we're not making any any definitive statements on that. But I also would have people to consider. So often when we talk about voting, we think of the presidential elections, right? but so much of what affects us day to day happens at a much closer and more local level. You send your children to schools and their school boards that sometimes they're elected positions and things of that nature. You know, we we, we sometimes lament the things that are being taught and the things that are occurring in the schools, but that's an opportunity to, to, to have an input into who is on these boards and the decisions that they're making. You know, local city councils that make decisions about our neighborhoods. Right, I'm sure if if somebody found out they were trying to build, you know, a strip club or something in the in the, the building next door to your home, for those who live in more rural areas, <laughs> it's not an issue. But if you live in a city, that's a possibility. But if you were to hear something like that was happening, you would um, probably speak out against it, right? You would quote unquote protest. You would you would make your voice heard in relation to that. And if you could have a say in who is on these city councils and the decisions that they make, I I, I think most would would try to have their perspective perspective heard. And so I just raised the point that so often we think about, you know, the president and the leader and whether or not we should get involved, but there's so many little day-to-day things that because we are citizens of this country and we have certain rights and we're able to, because of the way things are structured, we're able to have our voices heard to, to, to make an impact on, again, our schools, our neighborhoods, who's the, you know, the district attorney. If we're talking about executing justice in terms of the laws, you might want to know who is, the, the local district attorney that's, you know, prosecuting cases and things like that to make sure that it's someone who perhaps has a godly perspective and will execute justice rather than some other some other, you know, uh goal or some other ends in view. Um so just just sort of throwing that in there is that when we talk about voting and again that might be a whole different podcast with different people. Um mm-hmm but you know we, we should not only think in terms of the presidential but there are other smaller things where we probably already are vocal in many ways that we don't consider as as voting but really that's you know one way that you can influence and 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 have your voice being heard have a godly perspective uh be be presented i, I wanted to
2: touch on something about what you said about an assassin's character and it reminded me of the lord Jesus Christ when he was on the cross with the thief right and so i mean he had a past. We know he was. He was. He. He had committed a crime, right? And so he. He was justly thing. But the Lord still had compassion upon him there, right? And so my thing is that it's. It's not about. It's not the Lord doesn't care about our past, right? You know, he, he said. He said to that thief on the cross, he said, "You know, today you will be with me in paradise," right? And so that's an encouragement for us. But also, Kevin, I would say, yes, um, in Rome, in Roman in that day. They, the Lord didn't speak about oppression, but I believe the real oppressor was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know what I'm saying they were the people who were really oppressing, and the
3: Lord—religious—that was. Religious. That was huh? because, remember, he says, "I'm, I'm going to interrupt you because I just read it this morning." Yeah, because that's religious, and remember, he was coming as King of the Jews. This is another podcast, brother. He yeah, as King of the <laughs> Jews. Yeah, so he to address that, and then I just read it this morning, Matthew twenty-three verse two. He says, "The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat." Yeah. But that wrong injustice. However, you, it's a religious injustice. Had yeah. to be addressed because it was. They're talking about his father. They're talking about Moses, right? So it, it is different.
2: But but I would say it's this, right?
3: Political pressure.
2: He didn't yeah, yeah. Have... I, I would say it because when they crucified him, right? Yeah. They did it because they were scared of the Jews. They were scared of the Pharisees, right? So who was really the who was really the oppressor? Who's really the thing? They did it. They incited the crowd because they were scared what the Jews, what the what the Pharisees were going to say, right? And so they they end up inciting the crowd to crucify him, to crucify him. And so he did talk. He called them white whitewashed tombs. He called them all kind of things. He was against. Yeah, he was against that oppressor. So just that was just a little before. <laughs>
0: I think we could agree that the perception that a lot of people have is that Jesus, the Lord Jesus, was a pacifist, mm-hmm. which he was not. Not at all. He was all. nonviolent, but he was not nonconfrontational. He but, would confront evil. He would call out hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he confronted sin. I think we can all agree on that. Amen. Uh, and and I think the beautiful thing is that even when his enemies were crucifying him, he did not view them as his enemy. Mm-hmm. The enemy he came to deal with was behind the scenes. He came to deal with sin. Absolutely. He came to deal with the heart issue. And ultimately this is a heart issue. Mm-hmm. And and I think, sadly, I don't think racism has been from the very beginning. And I think until the Lord Jesus comes and sets everything right, I think racism will continue to be a problem. I, you know, I hope I'm wrong on that but I think there's always going to be uh, sin in our hearts and until the Lord comes and, and sets everything right I think it's going to be something that we struggle with and I think this is something that uh, I don't think we can ever get comfortable with and say oh we, we cured racism it's gone now it's never an issue anymore have to judge it this conversation you know we cured we cured racism I, it's it's not but it's something you always have to continually judge in your heart mm. uh, and how am I viewing people? And I think this is the prayer that we might see people the way Christ saw them. That I can look at all of my brethren here who I'm looking at and I can see them and I can see they are made in God's image. They are worth dignity and respect and I can love them the way Christ loved them. And that's what we're called to. We're called to this incredible love. And I just want to say thank you to all three of you, Jesse, Gareth, Kevin, I love you each of you, I respect each of you, and I'm really grateful that you took the time to, to have this conversation today. If you have a question and you would like to submit it, you can do so anonymously by going to the thepracticalchristianpodcast.com.